0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by the founder, shareholder, and chief advisor at CoinFlip, Daniel Polatsky. Daniel founded CoinFlip seven years ago. He oversaw a period of nearly 2 million percent growth between 2015 and 2020, during which CoinFlip bootstrapped its way to becoming far and away the fastest growing company in Chicago. CoinFlip's mission is to give the world quick, easy, and secure access to the benefits of cryptocurrency. At CoinFlip, they believe that cryptocurrency provides an inclusive financial system which puts individuals' needs first. With low fees, the largest network of Bitcoin ATMs and the most reliable customer support, CoinFlip is the best way to purchase and sell cryptocurrency. We are pumped to have such a creative and entrepreneurial minded guest. So, Daniel, welcome to the podcast, my new friend.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, baby. I am pumped. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. So, I am so curious, especially all the way back in 2015, where did the idea for CoinFlip come from and how did you start this company?
1: Yeah, so back in the day, I was a college student at Northwestern. I was learning a lot about economics. Uh, I had jobs in sales, things like that. And um, early on, there was just kind of like this topic of Bitcoin that came up, you know, because the price was kind of like going up in 2013. And, you know, it was this talk about this, like new digital gold, this revolution, whatever. Uh, I read a few articles about it. And at first I wasn't like super, super sold. Like when it first came onto the scene, I was just kind of skeptical. You know, over the first next few months, you know, I just kept reading more and more articles about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, this might be something that I want to get behind. Uh, but back in the day, uh, purchasing cryptocurrency was very difficult. Like, it's not as easy maybe as it's seen now. You know, Coinbase, the um, original, one of the original cryptocurrency exchanges, like its compliance yep. department would take, you know, three to four weeks plus just to approve an application. So it was really hard to start trading people were literally meeting up in Starbucks, you know, like throwing cash on the table, you know, and people, like <laughs> exchanging hard people's identities right there, like in the Starbucks. It was, it was pretty wild. And I'm like, there has to be an easier, simpler way. And, you know, that's kind of, I guess where the idea of the ATM came from, you know, it's scalable, it's safe. It's people are, have, you know, option to have a 24 seven customer support. They can have Bitcoin before they even get back to their car. And the whole point was that we would approve registrations in five to 10 minutes. So first time customer, you're getting Bitcoin that same day, five, 10 minutes before you even get back to your car. So we just wanted to make it as um, simple, easy, safe as possible and as quick. So that's kind of what we set out to do. You know, I had an amazing team of co-founders. You know, I had Chris who he had um, hosted one of the first Bitcoin ATMs in one of his original retail stores. Um, you had Alan, who you know, who's working with Chris at the time at the Vape store as well. Had a lot of knowledge of IT and Bitcoin. And then you had one of my great friends from high school, Ben. Um, he's actually from my hometown, Deerfield. And, you know, we kind of built this amazing team together, kind of put down one ATM, you know, did well, put down another. And we kind of just bootstrapped the operation since then. You know, we've never raised any outside funding, which is crazy. That's almost- crazy. Most companies can't say that, but yes, we are a bootstrapped operation. Um, You know, we've since like we started out as kind of just a Bitcoin ATM company. uh, But now I feel like we offer a way larger suite of services. Like we have a trade desk. So there you can buy Bitcoin with wire transfer, cryptocurrency with wire transfer. We can offer, you know, Bitcoin for credit cards online as well. And we're testing uh, ACH transactions. So we're offering kind of like a full suite of crypto services these days. So we're not just a Bitcoin ATM company, even though that is how we started. And we're really looking to take our company to the next level, you know, to expand internationally, to really take it up a notch and make sure that crypto is accessible to everyone everywhere. And, you know, we've done a great job. And, you know, we're we're probably going to do $100 million in revenue this year. We're profitable. And, you know, it's been been a dream. But, you know, I hope it can continue.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, at this point, it's obvious to be building things like this in the crypto world. But at that point, I would dare say it was not obvious. Uh, you know, to a few people that were bullish from the beginning, you know, they're like, what do you mean? It's always been obvious. But, it, you know, it wasn't to the popular audience or to the to the bigger demographic. What convinced you that this was something worth putting your time and energy into that early on? I think just
1: being kind of an economics student. So I was kind of just already interested in economics and finance. And then when I read about Bitcoin enough times, I was like, wow, like this is honestly, truly a revolution. Like it's not just, you know, something to buy to hope it goes up later or whatever. Like it's, you know, it's a decentralized currency that's not issued by the government, that you can send, you know, 24 seven to somebody, you can send it to them in less than 10 minutes. They'll receive it, you know, it costs, a dollar compared to you know, like a wire transfer, which costs like $50 at a bank and it takes yeah. two, or three days to deliver. And it's all in a fraud-proof publicly available database. And also an amazing part that like I saw early on was like you couldn't print more Bitcoin. You know, like the dollar can be printed, you know, the US government, any fiat currency, dollar, euro, whatever, like it can be printed to you know serve the needs of the government, or whatever. But Bitcoin was kind of more like a gold-like store of value, but like with all the lightweight benefits of a currency all built into one you know
0: yeah so i was
1: like i gotta do something with this you know i don't know like maybe it'll go nowhere but like i don't know it's it seemed really interesting to me at the time and i just decided to you know try my luck
0: yeah heck yeah how challenging was it figuring out the logistics of actually building a bitcoin atm and getting that somewhere that was being used and 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 all of that at the beginning yeah it was
1: you know, it was. Um, I guess I just didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm like, oh, this is not going to be too, you know, hard. But it turned out to be like way harder than I imagined. You know, I had to get to talk to the state regulators at the time to make sure that what you were doing was, you know, above ground and the fact that you like complied with all the state regulations. You had to get a lawyer and the KYC policy. You had to call, you know, the store owners and convince them to house this thing and like give them rent. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I think that, you know, we were at the right place at the right time because a lot of people did still want to buy Bitcoin. But, you know, like definitely, you know, it was kind of just a lot of trial and error early on and just trying things and seeing what would stick. Um, since then, we've gotten a lot more organized as we scale and, you know, try to run like a good company. But back in the day, you know, it was a lot more hustling, trying and, you know, kind of making it up as we went because there really wasn't much of an industry back then.
0: Yeah. So what, what does a Bitcoin ATM even do? Like, is it just a place where you could go in person and buy electronically Bitcoin? Or is it also a place you could cash out, like sell and get cash out of it? It's exactly what you said. So
1: most of our Bitcoin ATMs are, they're kind of like Bitcoin, like vending machines or kiosks, maybe like a good way to like envision it. But yeah, people go there, um, they insert cash, they scan their QR code and they buy Bitcoin. Uh, but as more people have been, Obtaining Bitcoin over the years, we have had more units that allow people to cash out as well. Most of our units are buy only, but we do have some buy sell units, and we are trying to really probably increase that number as time goes on. And more people have access to Bitcoin, they may want to cash out for whatever reason.
0: What was the benefit, or is the benefit of going to like a Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency ATM versus doing it maybe on if you guys have a an app or something like that where you could just do it digitally from your phone?
1: sure so we um the cool thing about us is that we make it super we are the quickest way to do it like i think that even if you are using one of these online methods like it's very confusing it's very confusing to meander like it's very hard to speak to someone we're like the only way where you can put in the cash and then get the bitcoin like pretty much instantly and we also obviously do take dollar bills whereas you know you know which are great for like our underbanked and unbanked customers because you know if they don't have a bank account then it's yeah. very difficult to purchase cryptocurrency because you need uh, a bank account to hook up to these online accounts so we want to serve everyone you know the banked and the
0: underbanked and the unbanked didn't even think about that that is a great a great use case um where does it get stored does it do you guys also kind of protect and store the bitcoin bought there or does that get placed somewhere else or what and no, we're
1: big proponents of, you know, our customers actually having control of their wealth, like control of their cryptocurrency, control their private keys. So we are compatible with virtually every cryptocurrency wallet. Like if you have your own wallet, you can use it. You can scan its QR code and we will send it there and you will have access to your cryptocurrency. Like, you know, some other places, like, you know, you see that like, you log into an account and you have crypto, but really like, you know, with Coinbase or whatever, it's called a custodial wallet. So they're the ones who are actually storing it on your behalf but yeah the customers our customers you know they actually take possession of the bitcoin wherever they scan that's where we sent.
0: now that is something i should do i'm currently yeah. in one of those i won't say too much just in case I, yeah. I invite danger into my life uh but i'm like man i know the smarter ways to have your own wallet to hold it in there but then you hear those like you know terrible stories of this person had 11 million dollars in their in their wallet and they lost the combination or password or some shit like that. Like how do we, how do we avoid that happening?
1: I think honestly with great power comes great responsibility. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that you need to, if you are going to be storing your wealth yourself, then you definitely need to do your own research and, you know, come up, you know, there are tried and true methods to do this, you know, like using a cold storage wallet, like a treasure or a ledger, you know, writing down the words, writing down a second copy of the words, like there's best kit. Um, there's definitely uh security practices that are lauded by people in the industry for these new beginners. But I definitely understand how, you know, it is a little bit daunting. It's different, you know, it's to like, it's like you're holding like physical bills, you know, like it's kind of like that, like, you know, people yeah. are like kind of scared of that. Like they want to like maybe put it in a bank or put it somewhere else. So, you know, I just, encourage people to kind of wait in slowly and if they want to be able to have that, like, if they want to be able to store their wealth, that's great, but maybe have some that they store, you know, elsewhere. And then as they get more and more comfortable over time, they can kind of transition more to that model.
0: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with
1: also, you know, just spreading your funds around, you know, some maybe with a custodian, some that you hold by yourself, you know, if you don't fully trust yourself or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me this I'm, i may be asking stupid questions but i'm also using you as a great resource to understand this world one of the things you hear is that for the most part it's unhackable right yet yeah, then you hear coinbase or someone so, on, so it got hacked and someone's bitcoin got taken or something right. like that how does that work together right
1: so it's not like the actual bitcoin blockchain is unhackable like you can't have people like there's never been an instance where somebody's like gone into the actual protocol and like changed a transaction or like you know like reverse a transaction or done something that's like compromises the entire network but okay. individual people you know if they're like have individual weak points like an exchange or you're holding your wallet with somebody else gets compromised or words get compromised that's always possible it's just the I actual network itself like the bitcoin network has not been compromised
0: but, I got gotcha. you. Know, people make
1: mistakes. You know the the math doesn't as much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Of the so network. What What excites you right now about the state of the cryptocurrency world? I just love that it's just like such
1: a democratization of finance. You know, it gives everyone a chance to store their own wealth. And you know, with like the United States inflation of the dollar being, you know, three, four, maybe even five percent some of these months, like if you are just holding your wealth in like paper money or fiat currency, it actually, you know, does inflate away over time and your purchasing power, it gets lowered. So I think it's just awesome that everyone now has an opportunity to hold something that can, you know, retain its value. And like, you know, people who don't necessarily have a bank account can also participate. And I think that that's kind of like the first step. And I feel like as more and more people get access to it, there's going to be a whole, you know, economy centered around this as time goes
0: on and then it will kind of turn into, you know, web 3.0 do you still see it as a gamble at this point if someone were to take you know like i went to clemson university and my boy trevor you know not really my boy but i like you know he doesn't know me but i know him he I, from what i heard he took his whole signing bonus in cryptocurrency instead of actual cash to the nfl which is like freaking baller yet it also feels like a risk like yeah is, is would you say that's a risk at this point
1: I think it's way less of a risk than it used to be. I still think it is a new industry in a nascent space. I think that for that reason, yes, it is somewhat of a risk, but that's, you know, why it's super important to take, you know, take educated risks. Like don't put all of your net worth into one basket, you know, that's never Bitcoin, stocks, bonds, real estate, right. whatever, like that's never really advised. So you should always spread your wealth around and only invest what you're willing to lose. But with that being said, I personally think it's way less of a risk than it used to be. And I think that the space has even more merit than it does, you know, when I started, like, seven or whatever it was.
0: For, for the average person out there who's really probably only heard of or pays attention to Bitcoin, is there any other cryptocurrency that you pay attention to that has kind of equally exciting uh, ramifications?
1: Yes, I think that Ethereum. Ethereum is a very, very powerful cryptocurrency, you know, it's a cryptocurrency that people can develop on top of and code on top of and create smart contracts and whatever. So I think that Ethereum, you know, really does have the potential to kind of be the backbone of a lot of Web 3.0. And I think that it's kind of like the next iteration of Bitcoin. Not to say that Bitcoin, you know, is going to be overtaken necessarily or that it's going to be, you know, die or whatever. But, you know, there are always improvements in the space. And I feel like Ethereum is very exciting. And I think that, you know, a lot of things are coded on top of Ethereum. You know, like NFTs that everyone loves now, you know, Uh. NFTs on Ethereum, etc. So, I
0: think that it has a lot of potential. What's the main difference?
1: So, Bitcoin is kind of more of like a digital gold. Like, it's just, it's like simple. You know, it's good for storage, it's good for sending uh, back and forth. Like, it's a good transfer and store of value. Like, Ethereum is like... I could create like, okay, I could, for example, like like right now on Ethereum, there's, for example, you know how like you go on to an exchange like Coinbase? Yeah. And, you know, you do an exchange, but it's like, you know, it's through Coinbase which is a centralized entity. Now, for example, on Ethereum, like there's been something that's like called a decentralized exchange. Like one of them is called a Uniswap. So basically people can code different applications onto the uh. blockchain. So there's like, it can be... Like there can be an exchange on ethereum and it's just comprised of users like it's like a decentralized exchange like there's no company though but it's like people can still trade their bitcoin and ethereum and all these other cryptocurrencies on this exchange but it's directly on the blockchain like it's like its own entity it's like not it's not a company so you can create all these different applications like nfts like you can code nfts on ethereum where it's like it'd be hard to do with bitcoin like you can mint you know your digital art on the Ethereum blockchain, like you can make a token. And like, for example, like, you know, it'll be like, I want to like, you know, I'm starting a project, you send me some Ethereum, you know, I'll send you some of the token that I have, which I'm going to like create a project on Ethereum to kind of make an ecosystem. So Ethereum can basically host like an ecosystem of all these additional projects and decentralized applications. Yeah, and it can be like, you can basically build on top of it just kind of cool where it's like bitcoin is a little bit more like static you know gold like doesn't change as quickly which is fine because you know bitcoin needs to be stable and needs to be conservative yeah because it you know it has the most value tied up and it. understand why it's like very you know more like slow moving and more like very focused directly on what it does which is a safe Perfect. taken asset but that doesn't mean there aren't there isn't room in cryptocurrency for like other things you know and all these other decentralized applications that people like actually use you know you might use an app that's on ethereum you
0: know yeah so it's kind of like the opera it's a it's an operating system if we use like computer yes. language, that people could build apps on top of where the yes. bitcoin is more just an asset like it's more just a currency that you're able to use instead of money a currency and like kind of like a gold like like a better version of gold
1: yeah you know is it good for like long-term storage and
0: like you know you trust it it's kind of like got that. it Now I'm curious on the business side, as you've built this business, has it been an ongoing challenge just through regulation and what laws do we have to be compliant with and whatever, since it's kind of this new gray space or is the, has it not been?
1: No. Yeah, for sure. The regulations are always changing. Um, it's very important that you stay on top of them, but yeah, it hasn't been like, I guess FinCEN and the treasury and the IRS who are, you know, our direct regulators, you know, they did have some cryptocurrency ATM frameworks in 2013 and 2014, but, you know, now each individual States have since like changed their mandates or whatever, had all these like, you know, weighing in as well. So I think that as time has gone on, you know, the rules have definitely changed and it's very important to like always stay on top of that because, you know, you don't want to find yourself on the wrong side of that. And you want to be able to hire like professionals who can, Help you comply with all the relevant
0: regulations. Has it felt fair for the most part? Like it's just as a business owner, or do you feel like you're having to work against the against the grain to get stuff approved or able to to build this business? Honestly,
1: so far like our regulators and you know, I think have made very clear and fair guidance. You know, I don't know if like because I'm not, you know, we only have one regulator in the space. We're not regulated by all the um like CFTC, SEC, all those, whatever. We only have one main regulator so for us it's actually been honestly pretty nice i think the regulators are fair and transparent um but i can't speak for all
0: regulators sure yeah well that's great for you guys that's awesome you know you always wonder like is this going to be something where behind the scenes they're fighting really hard not to let this industry change or being at least fair about the business so that's cool to hear yeah i think
1: they're i think they're down i I think they. you know it is jarring and they do want to like learn more about it which is fair but i think you know, regulators and government are slowly but surely wrapping their heads around this and honestly being pretty supportive.
0: Well, as, as being a young and first time business owner, what has the experience been like starting this amazing fast growing company right out of college, what what has that been like for you being at the helm of that? Um, I don't know. It's almost
1: been like some kind of crazy dream. It's like, did this, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know, did this really happen? Um, you know, I think a lot of our success, you know, we are hustlers, you know, we did a good job, we did some things right, but a lot of it was being at the right place at the right time, you know, at the kind of like that beginning of that wave. And, you know, I kind of do think about how much luck plays into it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm super grateful. You know, I just hope it can continue because I love bringing Bitcoin to the masses.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have there been any particularly costly mistakes that you look looking back wish you could have avoided?
1: Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, a lot of people, like entrepreneurs kind of like pride themselves and like hustle, hustle this, like get from point A to point B, like do everything you can, like muscle this through. But like, you know, I think that's really great for the beginning of a project, but I wish like sooner I would, you know, hopefully go into more of like an organization focus, like really like organize things better so that we could more effectively scale because like hustle definitely gets you far, but it's not the end all be all, you know, as you transform to a bigger company, I think you need those like systems in order to like adequately scale your company and be organized.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's like just me or my small team working so hard can only take you so far. It's point, wow. you burn out or you just, it's not an economy of scale. Like you need to figure out things that can work for you, you know, process a system. So what is that, what is that journey towards scalability been like for you all?
1: Just making sure that every department, you know, is adequately staffed, you know, making sure that, you know, we have a marketing department, we have an HR department, we have a finance department, like all the boxes are checked, you know, hiring all the best people, not like, you know, moving so quickly, you know, just like WhatsApp here, you know, just send a message, who knows, whatever, like, you know, formulate your thoughts, like put them in an email, you know, it might seem slower, but like, you know, then you have more of a, like, it is slower maybe in the short term, but if you just you know, can do it properly, then, you know, it's probably way better than having to fix it later if you did something wrong at this scale.
0: Yeah. Now, what is your, what is your role and and most of your time spent doing now for the company?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think I built up an amazing team and I wanted to give myself more like flexibility to, you know, pursue a lot of my other interests. You know, I want to build web 3.0, you know, invest in some other cryptocurrency projects. I want to, you know, help my city of Chicago. So I just gave, um, now, these days, I serve as the chief advisor. Uh, basically, what I do is I work on, like, new clients, product lines. Um, I work on international expansion, overall strategy, while still having the flexibility to hopefully, you know, pursue other initiatives in the space and also to help my city.
0: That's awesome. How long did it take you to be able to transition out of being stuck in the day-to-day to being more the advisor and the growth strategist?
1: Um, it was probably took, you know, a good... I don't know, probably like half a year to a year before like it could like really be set. Um, but I am very confident in, you know, the co-founders and everyone else that, you know, it's an amazing team to take our company to the next level. And I think that, you know, this is probably an amazing role for me because I get that flexibility and I get the opportunity to still grow the company that I love.
0: Yeah, heck yeah. Now, do you see you all having, and maybe you already do and I just don't know, having like a similar function as like a Coinbase in terms of A place people know to go and online to buy their Bitcoin or to sell the different cryptocurrencies, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not like a full-on exchange yet where people can like go on and like trade cryptocurrency back and forth. But yeah, we already have some of the same services that Coinbase does, you know, like wire transfer funding, ACH funding, credit card funding. Uh, So yeah, we are definitely like going in that direction, but hopefully, you know, us being able to have that Bitcoin ATM space in addition,
0: is going to like kind of like round us out in a way that coinbase
1: can't necessarily be rounded yeah. out. yeah
0: but what do you think do you foresee at some point getting into the exchange and the able to trade on your platform thing i think it's definitely possible yeah you know you don't want to rip
1: off more than you can chew but i think that you know strategic pivots over time like that you know definitely makes sense
0: yeah would that bring in a whole host of other regulators and stuff
1: yeah. You know, I mean, every time there's new products, you know, where you, of course, like take recurring revenue or whatever it is, there's you know, new regulators, but you know, as long as we can be transparent about our business ideas and, you know, be transparent with the regulators, I think it'll be a good show.
0: Yeah. Now on the starting, I did the same thing, but starting business with your friends and people you've known for a long time, what is that? What has that experience been like? I mean, it's been amazing,
1: right? Like you, you know, everyone always says like, don't work with your friends, don't work with this, whatever. So I'm just glad that we've been able to get, make it work. I think that we are, you know, definitely a smart group of <laughs> determined individuals. And I think that we've done something that not a lot of people would say they've done. Um, but at the same time, I think also like as we grow and continue to grow, you know, we really need to hire those like professional people around us that can like keep us in check and that have done it before to and so that we can learn from them and you know take the company to the next level
0: did it work pretty naturally at the beginning to see the difference in like skill sets and okay you'll handle more of this the technology side you'll handle more of this did that work out pretty nicely or did it was it difficult to figure out similar skill sets
1: no i think it definitely worked out like you know i always kind of had like the vision you know the mission kind of like what we're going to do you know ben's been amazing at you know like operations and like getting stuff actually done (laughs) um Chris is like kind of a mix, you know, he's great at operations, also like was the chief marketing officer early on. And then Alan was really good at, you know, knew a lot about the industry and he knew a lot about tech and IT. So it did kind of work, you know, well, where I feel like we complemented each other's skill sets.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's huge. People always, whenever I hear don't work with your friends, what I really hear is don't work with the wrong friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I hear. Cause I, I work with my friend and I freaking love it. It's like, I feel like I have a competitive advantage because yeah. of how well we know each other and trust each other. But if you work with the wrong friends, sure. It's going to end in a, you know, a messy situation. That right. you're also your friends with.
1: might, they might think the exact same way as you because they're your friends. So then you might have like, like what you said, maybe like overlapping skill sets or like, you yes. know, like blind spots.
0: So you got to be able to kind of. That's you know, where we are adapt. right now where it, there's enough difference that our actual roles are really clear. But it, when, what you were talking about, bringing in the right next key hires are important for us because we're still both somewhat in the visionary ideation side. And what we're, what we've had to find is people that love systems and processes, Right. people that love like the in the weeds kind of the stuff. Uh, the gritty Yeah. but Either of us like that. He can, he can do it better than me, but right. he still doesn't love it you know yeah exactly so you we know, find, to find people, people that have... are like
1: breed those details cuz some people love details you know some people exactly. love like pouring into the spreadsheet like finding the mistakes or finding inefficiencies or cutting costs automation exactly
0: know? i want someone that's like you're not making me do this i want to do this and like yes, right. that's exactly. the person you know exactly uh, exactly oh, so cool so my, i guess my final question would be when when you get to dream for a second when you get to look around at how this space and even your company is growing and evolving uh what gets you excited the most about the future of what you're building here
1: i mean i think the fact that we are on the precipice of expanding our operations and our services internationally so that we can help you know unbanked and underbanked people um, acquire bitcoin all over the world you know not just in the us where there's like a relatively bank, um, stable banking system, but like elsewhere, you know, where the banking system isn't as stable, you know, we're really going to be doing those people's service by giving them a decentralized currency. That's like, you know, resistant to inflation. I think that's really, really awesome. And, you know, I think that I'm just going to be really, really excited about building web 3.0 and on a smaller scale, helping out my people in Chicago. I haven't asked you about details that yet. Cause I don't really have them. I just know that I want to help out my community in some way.
0: Yeah. So you've mentioned Web 3.0 a few times. What What do you mean when you say that? It's
1: just like now, instead of, you know, operating through centralized companies and centralized currencies, you know, like a lot of the apps that you're going to see, like the metaverse, for example, that Mark Zuckerberg, you know, trying to claim as zone, um, whatever, like are going to be decentralized. They're going to be decentralized exchanges. There's going to be decentralized metaverse applications. Like there's going to be places where you can, directly interact with like somebody else through a protocol versus having to go through coinbase or having to go through like a Binance to buy your cryptocurrency like it's going to be all decentralized all directly peer-to-peer and it's kind of like what the internet was originally made to be
0: would would uh, the connotation here is going to feel obvious but i don't mean it to be but would the dark web be a version of when people think about like a decentralized version of the internet is that kind of i only know a little bit about that space but a place where you know a duck duck go or something like that where people could trade goods and services or whatever without going through the traditional internet that is regulated or watched or that kind of thing is that what we mean by web 3.0 or something different
1: yeah it's not necessarily has anything to do with like dark net markets or anything like that it's just any system where somebody can cut out the middleman and cut out the cost associated with the middleman and just operate more directly and efficiently peer-to-peer as opposed yeah. to having a bunch of like gatekeepers i guess that's
0: what i was asking Google or
1: facebook or whatever like you have to do everything like through some kind of like third party like being able to interact freely with your money and freely with other people is kind of like what you know web 3.0 is all about and cutting costs and making everything more efficient and yeah gotcha
0: yeah that's what i was asking is was the dark net a version of a decentralized web 3.0 again while i was trying to remove the connotation i'm not saying like it's all connected to the Silk Road, or some, some something like that, but similar kind of idea.
1: It's like that was maybe one of the first, like rudimentary, like versions of that. But you know, now it's come like more sophisticated, where like entire financial institutions can be online. You wow. know, where people are not like issuing their, you know, they're not artists; aren't necessarily have to like issue their paintings through, you know, some kind of like museum or some kind of like group, where they can just do it directly to their fans online.
0: Yeah, it's
1: kind yeah. of like. There's a lot of applications of it and like we're only just starting to see the beginnings of it but it's going to be a monster
0: heck yeah all right my friend i got five questions for you and then i'm gonna let you get back to your day so question number one if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization what would it be
1: just that what they're doing is truly revolutionary you know companies love being like oh yeah we're changing the world we're doing this whatever like we are making finance accessible to all we're giving we're making sure that Bitcoin can be bought by all. I think it's like a very, very valiant task. And I think that everyone at the company should know that they actually are, you know, part of like a crazy revolution that doesn't come around too often.
0: Heck yeah. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst? I guess
1: they're probably, I mean, these are probably both the opposite sets of advice then. Cause one, the best is probably, you know, to really kind of stay focused on one thing. Like, yes, I know I talked about how we have all these suites of services and, you know, we're expanding internationally and whatnot. But for a few years, like, you know, what we really just wanted to do was make the best Bitcoin ATM company. Like, stick to one thing, do it well. And then maybe after that, uh, use those customers to hopefully go to a different service. But, you know, I think the biggest mistake, like a lot of people love telling me early on, like, oh, why don't you make a wallet? Like, why don't you make an exchange? Like, why don't you make an on? Like, why don't you make this? It's like, Yeah, I get it. But like we we need to just do one thing first, like prove out that concept and then, you know, we can maybe use the surplus capital to put it into other things. And like, you know, when we have more experience versus kind of just doing, you know, eight things poorly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Question number three. What causes you the most stress or worry currently leading or helping lead this organization? I mean, basically, just the fact that it's, you know, gets
1: like misrepresented, like I want Bitcoin is still very new. It's a very nascent industry. Like I said, Uh, I think most people do know about it now, but most people don't know it's intricacies. So I don't want them to be scared away by, you know, like misinformation or, you know, just like kind of just because, oh, it's new and scary or, oh, I have to like, you know, hold my wealth now. People get like scared off too easily. Like I want this to be kind of, you know, an open, inclusive space where people can easily learn that I want. The right yeah. message to be sent out to people that haven't purchased it yet or, you know, are only just getting into cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah. On that note, is there anything in particular that we haven't covered that you would like the listener to to, to consider or rethink if uh, about their thoughts about cryptocurrency? I mean, you know, just like,
1: you know, there's always that thing about, like, oh, cryptocurrency mining, like, is it Bitcoin mining isn't good for the environment? I mean, like, you know, it's way better for the environment than, you know, like... Like an automobile, for example, and, you know we still use those. And like honestly, the the heat and the energy that you can use as a byproduct of Bitcoin mining, you can use for plenty of things. I mean, you can heat your house with a Bitcoin mine. Like, you know, there's plenty of things that are way worse for the environment than Bitcoin mining. Giant honestly can see as being a benefit. So that's just like one of those things that I hope people don't get you know, too caught up on.
0: Yeah, it would finish. be interesting to see all the applications of repurposing whatever heat or energy is created by it. Exactly. We're always looking for energy. If we could find one right you there go. and just repurpose it to power the city or something, that would be you go. amazing. I love it. All right, question number four. You may have already answered this, so if, if you already gave me the answer, feel free to just uh, say say so, or if something different comes to mind, feel free to answer as well. But question number four is, what is your current big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? Like I said,
1: I think I did kind of answer this. It's you know making sure that everyone across the world has access to Bitcoin, you know, not just United States citizens, um, everyone, you know, whether banking system is stable, banking system is unstable. You know, I feel like going into uh, frontiers all across the world is going to be super, super exciting. And I think that's a big goal. And personally, you know, I just want to help build web 3.0 by investing Mm -hmm. in promising projects. And on a smaller scale, I just want to help the city of Chicago in any way I can.
0: Yeah. You know, that was the part that, you know i guess for sure exposed certain privilege i was unaware of when i heard about the application or the need for for things like bitcoin around the world was not even recognizing that so many countries even if ours experiences inflation and stuff like that the volatility of the other markets outside of the united states yeah i mean Um, our
1: we freak out you know when our inflation is five six percent you know there's there's countries in the world with this Routine double-digit inflation and no Crazy. access to the global economy or to invest in anything. So it's yeah. Like, you know, what is what is the way out there?
0: Yeah, or the like you said, the amount of people that may not even have a banking a bank account and right. therefore are limited in what they could even get access to or send funds and receive funds from family or in need. I'm like, dude, that is that was the part that started clicking for me. How. Yeah big of a reach or how big of a impact this could actually have. Right. It's kind of an
1: example of web 3.0. You don't need that bank anymore. All I need is to download a wallet and now I can interact with you know everyone in the world who downloads that same wallet. All you need mm-hmm. is a phone. I
0: love it. I love it. All right. Question number five is just kind of a fun, creative question for you personally. So we're going to play a game called back to the future. You oh, get wow. to hop into a DeLorean. You get to go back to your past but you're not there to change anything necessarily. You get to deliver a message. So when would you go back in your past? And what message would you pass along to that younger version of yourself?
1: I feel like I would go back maybe to, you know, probably my senior year of high school, you know, I was kind of like, you know, frantically applying to college. It's like trying to make like everything go exactly the way I wanted to like, go to this college, get this job, whatever. Um, I guess the advice there is probably just, you know, don't worry so much about it. Like, don't try to be so hyper controlling of your future. Cause I didn't know I was going to do this and it turned out fine. Yeah. So basically that, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, you know, relax if, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Even if terrible things happen, like it's going to be okay. You know, we're not, you know, this isn't like some kind of crazy reality where we live for like 400 years and like all of our previous choices come back to haunt us. Like, you know everything's temporary
0: everything's gonna be okay except for the, your emails and your social media so <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they'll, they'll, may, they'll probably
0: outlast me but you know that's okay right <laughs> that's the one thing i'm like man whatever way i'm going i just can't be a public facing figure in politics or uh, a head coach somewhere or something because you never no. know what email you sent when you were a senior in high school or something, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, you never know, but if people change people get better. So
0: that's what, we, that's what my hope is that we can start offering that to everyone is give people the chance to change, give people the chance to, to learn. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, Daniel, this has been so fun. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom and also insight into this rapidly growing economy and even landscape that is really uh, changing our world in many ways for the better. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being here.
1: Sure. Anytime. And thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate your time.
0: Founders. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.